What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This is Forklift Systems Football Saturday with former UT coordinator Doug Matthews on 104.5 The Zone. Two teams remain in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Welcome into Forklift Systems Sports Saturday, and we got a lot to talk about today. Round number two of the tournament today and tomorrow, and that is exactly where we're going to start today's show. All right. In the second hour, Tony Barnhart and Charles Davis will join me, and we're going to be talking a little college football then. But first, Let's take a good look at the results of the first round with Billy the Legend Justice and Tony Barnhart. Bill, Tony, let's talk a little bit of uh, uh, hoops here. Billy, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, still eyes bouncing a little bit. From uh, I'll be, be watching it as soon as I get off the phone today. Well, and I know you've been staying up late. Tony with us on Zoom uh, down in uh, right north of Atlanta, Georgia. Tony, you doing well? Tony, how are you doing? Tony, you need to get off mute. I think. I got it, guys. Sorry about that. Well, um, hey, you've only been doing this 20 years now, so I understand, <laughs> I understand that. I, I, I said there were like nine other things I wanted to get right, and if I got to unmute. No, <laughs> you, know, you know what? And Billy, Billy can tell you this. There's nothing quite like the first two days of the NCAA tournament. Wall-to-wall basketball on Thursday and Friday. We had some upsets, and uh, I'm looking forward to what we're going to see today. But th- yeah, Thursday and Friday have been great. Well, let's kind of start with that, Bill. Seven double-digit teams advance. Uh, we have uh, three Southeastern Conference teams losing. Kentucky, all to higher, much higher seeds, double-digit seeds. Kentucky, Alabama, LSU. Uh, and then we had a 15 advance, two 12s. 311s, 110. You know, kind of going back and looking, and I certainly don't get into it like Bill Justice does. Bill, that's not all that unusual. Certainly a 15 is. That doesn't happen very often. But uh, having the higher seeds advance in this tournament, really, we, we, we normally see a little bit of that in the first round at least. No doubt about it. And, and when you look at this, the way the seeds are, are put up, the, the total numbers of the teams are come out to be 17. So that means the ones will play 16. You know, the fives will play 12s, and that's the way it is through that first round. So normally there's not a lot of upsets there because the number ones and the number twos and the number threes are, are generally better, better teams. And as the weeks go on and the games go on, it gets to where we realize there are probably – 10 or 12 teams in in the whole field that can win the championship. Bill, uh, and, or excuse me, Tony, certainly disappointed, though. Not a good first two days for the SEC. Six teams in, all playing uh, higher seeds, and three of them lose. Yeah, three of them lose, and, and, and you, know, the, you know, the Alabama loss I thought was the most, most difficult loss. But here's the question that I have, and I, I, this is what I wanted to ask Bill. 
Bill, everybody's talking about Kentucky's loss to St. Peter's. Yeah, it's a 15 and a two. It's only happened nine times before, now 10 times. I get I get all that. But people are talking about this, this loss for Kentucky as some historic milestone. I watched the game. I thought St. Peter's never backed down in that entire game. And, uh, and, and they, they were the better team, particularly at the end there. Yeah, and that has been one of the things that and, – and you know how uh, how the fan base is with, with the University of Kentucky basketball, uh, the Wildcats fan base. Big Blue is incredibly behind their team. They have a history that, that kind of goes along with Alabama's football history in, in terms of years that it's been great. So the fan base is very upset, but this has been a team that has not – always gone out and played at their highest level, and that was what happened to them. That was a, I still think, a stunning upset, but one that's a little bit uh, a little bit not so upsetting uh, when you realize that they have really not played on a level of fineness all year long. Bill, let's kind of talk about what you saw then this, uh, these, these first 30, um, uh, these first, these first two round, uh, excuse me, first round game, second round starts today. Uh, I wanted to kind of start with this one. The one game that really caught my eye, uh, as far as, well, not certainly upsets are in that area. North Carolina, uh, an eight, uh, beat uh, Marquette, a nine, 95, 63. And, I just bring it up because these are, you know, eight and nines. You could switch it and be it the other way. Pretty close. Uh, uh, to me, the, and I didn't watch all the games, nothing like you did, but North Carolina, and they started, of course, we we know what they did. They beat Duke in the uh, in the ACC tournament. Uh, but that was one game, one team that impressed me a lot this first round. And I think you just hit the nail on the head when you talked about how they upset Duke and what was a classic because we talked about this when it happened. You know, those two schools are, what, within walking distance of each other, maybe Mm -hmm. 10 minutes apart, and two of the historically best basketball programs in the country. North Carolina goes back to the days where they were the best team in the country, and Duke has held that position for years. So that that can't be considered an upset or the fact that North Carolina is in this. They'll be tested today because they play number one Baylor. Bill, and let's kind of continue on that, and then Tony take over for a few questions here. Uh, let, let, let's just talk a little bit about the the, the, the first round games, uh, where, where where you saw those. Anything else that just jumped out at you, Bill? Tony, uh, not really. I mean, I, when you have those number one seeds to through you know number six, number sevens. They're going to play weaker teams. The, the the Kentucky upset I thought was the was the biggest upset, um, you know. But uh, most of it went the way you would think it would go. You know, you've got your teams in the SEC. You still have Tennessee, Arkansas, and Auburn. Um, so you know we'll have we'll have those teams that are still in it, even though we lost some of the other ones. Uh, just an exciting time. You know, this is still we're still playing through the ranks here to get get down to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, which comes up in the next week, and then the Elite Eight, Final Final Four, of course, then Saturday, April the 2nd. So the national championship is on Monday, April 4. And, uh, Tony, let me get one more in here, and then you take over. Uh, the, the one, uh, watching all the, pre, uh, the pre-shows, the pre-tournament shows, and, uh, you know, of course, it's part of the fun of this tournament is filling out a bracket, uh, and also, you know, kind of, picking and particularly analysts talking about who they think is going to win. One of the teams that really was mentioned a lot was number five, Iowa. They lose to Richmond in the first round. I mean, there were, there was uh, several of, of the, uh, of the top prognosticators kind of, many of them had Iowa even going to the final four bill. 
Yeah, and that's another one, like we say, that can, you know, all it takes is for on that given day a team to play way better than they normally do and playing a team that is favored over them, maybe sliding back a little bit. And I've talked about this year and a, a year more, more with Tennessee when we play them on, you know, talk to them on Sundays, where it seems like a lot of times teams come out and start slowly, but they recover, end up playing a good game. Sometimes you come out and you play right from the starting line all the way to the end. You play your very best game. If you don't recover from those slow starts, that's where your ranked teams can get uh, be defeated by teams that are not ranked as high. And that is not an unusual thing. I, I faulted Tennessee on that until I started watching other teams, and I see, well, you know, Kansas does the same thing. Gonzaga does the same thing. They don't always play perfect basketball for full 30 minutes. Tony? Mm-hmm. Well, just yeah, just one note about Iowa. Fran McCaffrey's been there a long time. Fran McCaffrey, the head coach of the University of Iowa, they've got they've got tradition. They over the years, Fran McCaffrey has been to eleven NCAA tournaments. His record in the first round of the NCAA tournament is zero and eleven. Has not won a game. Has not won a game. And so it's been, it has been very very difficult uh, for them. You, you know, Billy. Uh, uh, a game I wanted to ask you about, I think, is intriguing. St. Peter's, of course, a beat Kentucky. They get Murray State today, and that's the kind of game that fascinates me. Simply because you got St. Peter's coming off arguably the best win they've ever had in the history of program. Student body of less than three thousand get a chance to play a team that you could say they could beat. So, what's what's the mindset, Billy, in your mind for a team like St. Peter's coming into that second round against Murray? Well, I think they come in with confidence, and I think their coach is saying, look, we've done it once, we've done it again. What did we do right in the game that we just won and got such a bigger win off of that? We are playing a very good team. Murray State has a nice history as a good basketball school, and they will be they will be coached up to, to play against a team that has just had a massive upset, and their coaching staff will have them saying, look, look at what they did. They're capable of beating us. We need to be at our best. Let's take a look at the Southeastern Conference. Uh, we mentioned the games, uh, the uh, Thursday and Friday games. Thursday, of course, Tennessee uh, beats Longwood at 88-56. Bill, uh, just real quickly on this, again, we'll be discussing this in, in length tomorrow on Big Orange Sunday. Uh, Tennessee, uh, impressive, really, from start to finish in that game. Yeah, and let me mention this, too. <clears throat> if you know, if you watch that game or listen to it, as they, as they got on into the second half, probably 10 or 12 minutes left in the game, Coach Barnes had his team slow down. They did not fast break. They took their time getting the ball down the floor. They took its full advantage of the shot clock. I thought it showed great sportsmanship. They were way ahead, and there was no sense in piling on. He had, in addition to that, he was substituting freely. All, all the guys got to play. So I thought it was a nice, uh, nice sportsmanship on his part once they got that far ahead to not just pile on points. Arkansas, a tough ball game, 75-71 over Vermont. Of course, we talked about Kentucky losing uh, 85-79 in overtime. Uh, Yesterday's games, Notre Dame, who was in the play-in game, uh, beats Alabama by 14. We'll talk about that in just a second, 78-64. LSU, of course, made a coaching change. Will Wade out there, loses to Iowa State, 59-54. And Auburn uh, plays well, 80 Sixty-one over Jacksonville State. 
Bill, uh, just kind of hit real quickly uh, the Alabama situation and LSU situation. Uh, again, Notre Dame playing in, coming in, played the night before. Uh, what did you see there? Yeah, both of those teams, I think, are probably disappointed in what their, their season turned out to be and how they went out of it. I think especially Alabama, they have been coming on in the last few years to become you know what we've considered always a football school, and that's more in in uh, in line with what you do, Doug. But but they have been a very good basketball school in the last few years. As as the SEC, I think, has caught up. The basketball end of it has caught up. Maybe not as good and powerful as the football, but certainly it's a league now that people pay a lot of attention to. So yeah, I thought that was an upset on of a team that had been on an upward trajectory. Uh, Tony. Uh... One question for you, and then if you got anything for Bill on any of these games, we're going to move on here to what, what we're going to be seeing going forward there. But tell us a little bit about what you heard from the Southeastern Conference and LSU. Will Wade, I think everybody's kind of followed that situation. What's That's been going on a couple of years now. Uh, the NCAA came out with their uh, allegations, uh, what, the, what they, the served notice of those. LSU, I think either the next day or within 48 hours, let Will Wade right. go. That was kind of in the that, – that was kind of baked into the cake, wasn't it? No, no question. Look, guys, LSU caught a lot of flack for letting Will Wade basically coach for three years after these allegations first arose, but they were allegations at the time. LSU wanted to be in a position where they did not have to pay a huge buyout to Will Wade, and so you waited until you got all the information you needed. But, yeah, that, that's that, – it was no surprise, none whatsoever, when LSU let go of Will Wade just just hours after they found out they got the notice of allegations. Because, honestly, guys, that notice of allegation is pretty damning. So, no, yeah, no well, surprise. They, they hit football on there, too. One, one thing on that, I, I've had people ask me about this, and uh, let, let's just kind of go back. One of the reasons that that uh, was out there for three years uh, – this was a all came about because of a federal bureau of investigation, a federal investigation. So, the the facts, the evidence, everything that that LSU needed as a university, they could not get because of an ongoing right. FBI investigation. So that you know this, I've heard some people say, "Boy, why didn't LSU get rid?" They could have fired him, but they had had to fire him without cause, right. and they'd have been out what fifteen, eighteen million dollars. So uh, anyway. Uh, any Tony, you hearing anything about uh, what'll happen at LSU from a coaching perspective? Well, here's the here's the thing about the coaching position at LSU. Scott Woodward, the athletic director who came over for Texas A and M, uh, it is clear what he likes to do when he has a hire, a home run hire. Brian Kelly at football, Kim Mulkey, one of the best women's basketball coaches ever, uh, came home into Louisiana. The issue now is that. I don't think Scott Woodward's going to be able to go big, to hire a big name, because a big name is not going to want to come in there with a very uncertain NCAA future. What are the sanctions going to be? How bad is it going to be? You would have to sign a person for a long-term 10-year deal with a ton of money to gift them to come. So it's going to be fascinating where where does the next LSU coach come from? What level of college basketball? There's a lot of really good ones out there. But uh, I don't think Scott Woodward can get the home run higher he wants. Could be wrong. We'll see. Quickly, uh, Bill, and then we're going to take a break and come back and look at the uh, second-round games. But Tom Crean at Georgia uh, let go. Mike White uh, comes up from Florida. Uh, I know you've, uh, of course, 
people who follow college basketball closely, Crean was at Indiana for many years. Uh, Mike White, again, moving up from Florida, taking the job there, moving right across the state line. Bill, give us a thought on that. Well, the, it, it was amazing to me the the lowness that Georgia, I guess, had gone to. Here's a national championship football team, and then you turn around in one season to the basketball season and you can't win. And Crean had been a successful coach at other places. Uh, but they simply could not get it done. I, you know, what, what did he one conference win? I think that's right. You know, that, yeah, one I mean, in seven, one in seventeen. <laughs> one in seventeen. I mean, that's uh, you know, that calls for a change. You have to make that change. The the fan base there, the recruiting area that they have, is just as good for basketball as it is for football. Tony knows that yep. better than any of us. Absolutely. That, that Atlanta area, the middle part of that state, they're they're easily able to go into Florida. Uh, so they have a great recruiting base uh, in, in, in the state of Georgia. We'll take a quick break. More on college basketball round two when we come back. Tony Barnhart and Bill Justice. Let me talk to you about Delta Dental as we go to break. Hey, uh, if there's a if – you, if you have individual insurance, super. Uh, if you don't have individual dental insurance – Maybe you need to take a look at Delta Dental Tennessee. That's what I did several years ago. When I was coaching several universities, I had dental insurance. When I owned my own business, I had it. Self-employed, needed something. Went to talk to Delta Dental of Tennessee, got exactly what was right for me and my family at the time. You can do the same thing if you don't have dental insurance. Almost every single plan they have, and they have a bunch of them. Almost every single one they have involves two free cleanings, and two free exams every single year. And, of course, as I mentioned, you can also get uh, a couple of years ago now, I had a root canal, paid well over 50% of it. Check them out, deltadentaltn.com or coveryourmouth.com. It's all about the Tennessee Volunteers on Big Orange Sunday, each Sunday morning at 8. Brought to you by Middle Tennessee's Community Bank, Wilson Bank and Trust. Coach Doug Matthews talks all things balls each Sunday on Big Orange Sunday on 104.5 The Zone. Forklift Systems Football Saturday continues as Coach Doug Matthews is joined by Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Presented by Stroud's Barbecue and Tennessee Steel Haulers on 104.5 The Zone. Bill Justice also with us this whole uh, first hour. And uh, let's just kind of close with some of the coaching openings we mentioned uh, at Georgia and uh, and LSU. Uh, Mentioned Mike White at Georgia. Uh, Tony, uh, Florida, of course, also with Mike White leaving, uh, looks like what they're going to hire San Francisco's coach. Yeah, Ty Golden, who uh, everybody saw on, on TV the uh, other night. There is a connection between Ty Golden and uh, and Florida. Jay Jacobs was the athletic director when uh, Ty Golden served. He was on two years under Bruce Pearl at Auburn. And Jay Jacobs was the athletic director then. He's now the number two guy. Uh, behind Scott Strickland at Florida. So that's where the connection was. And uh, that that's going to be a really interesting hire. Missouri, uh, Conzo Martin fired at, uh, at South Carolina. Frank Martin gone. Ben Howland gone. Mississippi State. So uh, including Mike White, who was not fired but left. That's six openings out of the 14. Bill, uh, when you, <laughs> it, this is getting to be a lot like a football. Basketball coach is getting fired, too. Well, one other thing, uh, talking about uh, coaching changes, uh, associate head coach Michael Schwartz at Tennessee 
was hired by East Carolina. Now, that was not a, a firing, but he has taken a job as a head coach. We'll talk about this more tomorrow, and I will go over a little bit about what he did. You, you as football people, both of you will know a coordinator, and basically he was the defensive coordinator for Tennessee. We'll talk about that more tomorrow, but that's one other change in coaching. All right, let's get into the second round. Uh Looking kind of uh, at, at some of the key matchups, I think without question, don't don't know where this is going to go, but certainly a lot of attention is going to be at the Duke-Michigan State. Two of the, uh, I guess, I, I don't have this in front of me, but got to be two of the top five all-time winning coaches, Tony, in the in, in college basketball. Certainly the number one is in there, and Krzyzewski, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, Tom Izzo, uh, two long-time coaches, multiple multiple national championships between them both built two just outstanding programs uh uh we know that uh mike shashevsky is uh this will be his last year uh this should be a good matchup although i think duke's probably going to be favored pretty significantly in this one yeah this will be an interesting game these two guys know each other well they played 15 times uh uh, won 12 of them so he's had edge uh, but this, and you know what Michigan State's going to do. They're going to slow it down. And they want to turn it into a street fight. Okay. And I will say this about Duke, having watched them uh, a lot this year. Duke, I saw Duke, the other team was tougher than Duke in, when they played North Carolina. North Carolina was a tougher team than Duke. And you don't usually say that about Shishkevsky team. But this has a chance to be a really close game, in my opinion. Bill? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I think, uh, you know, Duke will probably be favored, but it, it will be a physical game. Uh, Coach K, in his last year, certainly has high hopes uh, for his team making a, a strong run uh, in the in the NCAA basketball playoffs. So I, I think that they will be a winner here. I, again, if they play up to their level or even near to it, their best level, uh, they're the better team here. Uh, Michigan State was really pushed by Davidson. Matter of fact, that game went down almost to the, the, the final mm-hmm. shot on that. Uh, Bill, the uh, number ones, uh, Arizona, Kansas, Gonzaga, and Baylor, all uh, impressive in, the, in their opening rounds. Not a surprise there. Baylor, North Carolina today, uh, one and an eight, kind of follows the chalk. Uh, we talked a little earlier about North Carolina, how much at the end of the season they have really improved. Baylor, uh, give us a little thought on that. Of course, the defending national champion, up and down the court, fast paced, very well coached normally. Very good team, and they're coming up against North Carolina, just coming up, coming off a, a great win for them. A lot of confidence, terrific history. Uh, Tony can certainly uh, agree with that, where you have a, a team that goes back into years where they're a great, great basketball team. Uh, Kansas, they invented the game. They play at number nine, Creighton. Certainly they're going to be a big favorite there. I like them all the way through. Uh, Gonzaga plays Memphis, so Memphis has worked hard to get where they are. Um, the Zags probably are looked at as the number one team in the country. They have been uh, that uh, ranked that way all all through the year. My only question on the Zags, and Tony may know better than I because he has a worldwide reach, is what kind of strength of schedule they have. Now, I know yeah. the, the people take that into con- consideration, but what is their strength of schedule versus somebody that's, uh, you know, that plays in the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC? I, I really think the Memphis Gonzaga game is going to be close. Uh, Memphis is a very physical team. 
Uh, Gonzaga, you know, runs the floor well. They shoot well. Uh, and as Billy said, you really wonder uh, when you get to the tournament, you know, did your conference schedule prepare you for the toughness of the NCAA? I think Gonzaga wins the game, but I think it's going to be pretty close. A couple of other games, Bill. Uh, somebody you have been on all year. They kind of uh, had a little rough going at the end, uh, but seemingly really have straightened out. Purdue, Texas. Uh, Purdue uh, has, uh, again, first, what, three quarters, maybe uh, 80% of the, of the year really playing well. Had a little dip, but uh, come back in the ter- uh, in the uh, Big Ten tournament, played extremely well, and uh, a big win, uh, well, a good win. They played Texas today. What are you seeing there? Well, you know, I, early in the year, and you heard me say this, I before they went on and went down a little bit, I thought they were were under undervalued, and I looked at them and I thought, well, okay, who can win all of this right now that people are not talking about very much? And I looked at their lineup, I looked at their size, I looked at their coaching ability, I looked at the hotbed where they play, and I thought at that time. Purdue might be a sleeper for the number one uh, seed and for the national championship. They've fallen back a little bit. They play Texas. Texas is always going to have talented players just for the same reason. You know, that recruiting base down there is so good. So that should be a good ball game, but I, I like Purdue in it. By the way, talking about Kansas, I mentioned uh, – we mentioned this a little earlier, but uh, I was noticing – I was reading some some article this past week on salaries in, uh, in college football and basketball – Bill Self, number one, the only basketball coach over 10, I say the only, 10, mm-hmm. $10 million. Of course, Bill has talked so much about uh, the, 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 the great place uh, that, that, uh, that Kansas has in, in all of basketball. Uh, I noticed a little uh, uh, a quip, quip, uh, quip on him that uh, uh, he was, uh, he's from Edmond, Oklahoma. Daddy was a high school coach, and I bring that up because if, if you look at a lot of these coaches now, Bill, a lot of their parents or one their father, and in some instances, uh, a couple a couple of their mother were basketball coaches, so kind of grew up uh, as gym rats. And you know, you see that as well, and back down into just high school sports, you see an awful lot of high school athletes that that follow in their footsteps of their father or their mother and they end up playing the same game that their parents uh, have been coaches in and this is just at a high school it starts at a junior high school level if you're if your mom or dad is a coach uh, you're going to be in that environment and you're going to adapt to it and you're probably going to grow up uh, wanting to be a, a player for your mom or your dad, or at least play the sport where they coach. I noticed the uh, <laughs> the Iowa State game I was watching it. The Iowa State's coach's wife was an outstanding basketball player, uh, women's basketball player at Iowa State. So maybe she gets into a little bit of coaching. You reckon? Uh, you reckon, Tony? <laughs> I, I think her point of view comes up in the discussion. I don't think there's any question about that. <laughs> What's that old? Uh, what was that old line about uh, uh, Coach Vince Dooley? Is uh, he, got, he got some recommendations from his wife at night, uh, laying in bed, when uh, about who should be the starting quarterback? Uh, Tony, tell me that. Yes, tell me that story. Yeah, uh, no. Who who was he? Uh, the, the quarterback, uh, Buck Ballou, good looking oh, guy. Buck, Buck and right. I remember what what was his wife name? Barbara Barbara Dooley. Barbara Dooley, right? Yeah, I heard her talking one time. She spoke in Nashville, and she, they asked her if she had any any input into uh, uh, into the coaching. She, she's the only one. She said, I, I told Vince 
uh, when Buck Blue came on board, he said, "Is he so good looking that he's got to be the starting quarterback at the University?" <laughs> it was a pretty good one too, by the way. Um, yeah, I, he was quarterback of the national championship team, uh, outstanding player, and knowing Barbara Dooley for a long, long time. I promise you, she said that. <laughs> uh, couple of a couple of things, Bill. I want you to kind of touch on this, and then that brings me into another topic. Uh, let's look at the women's bracket just real quickly. Tennessee and Belmont both play today, and uh, they will play the if they win. Uh, they are scheduled to play in the second round. Uh, and I wanted to touch this on Belmont first because I went to the. Uh, in uh, the NIT game at Vanderbilt the other night. And, Bill, I want you to kind of touch on this because I think you certainly know one of these young men and, and, and have followed both of them. Uh, Vanderbilt-Belmont, excellent ball game. Belmont entered right to the end. But I was so impressed with the way Coach Stackhouse and Coach Alexander. And, again, if you've if you've been at Vanderbilt, it's, 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 I think it's the only one of its kind. It's very, very unique in that they're – uh, their benches are on the in the end zones, and if you're on the kind of the pre- what would be the press box side, which I, which I was sitting on, the coaches kind of roam that sideline because they can't you know they they can't walk the other end zone, uh, the end zone part of it. But Bill really impressed. I don't think either one of these coaches, if they ever said anything to an official. Uh, it it was it was something it appeared to be positive. No stomping under the feet, not acting like a bunch of prima donna jerks. I was impressed with both and and both of them, by the way, did an excellent job of coaching this whole year. There are a lot of people that think that game should be played annually, and I don't know how the schools feel about it. I'm on Vanderbilt's side, for sure. Uh, Belmont's history is terrific, as you know. A good friend of mine, Rick Bird, was a, was a Hall of Fame coach there. Uh, brought them to limits that uh, they had never seen before. Still a really fine basketball program, and and I like to see that kind of in-town rivalry, even though you know they're in different conferences and probably you would think that Vanderbilt maybe is at a different level, a little higher level. Certainly every once in a while that, uh, that game should be played. I think it's great for the city of Nashville and for, for college basketball here. Well, that was a weekday ball game. I'm, I'm just guessing. I think that – I think – I think Memorial Gym holds somewhere fourteen thousand plus, uh, and it looked to me like there was at least eight, maybe nine, nine thousand there. So it was a, it was a good, and it was a weekday crowd. So well, you'd have you'd have the fan base from both sides coming. And t- Tony was talking about, or y'all were talking about venues where it's tough. Vanderbilt is the toughest when you go, yeah. and, and, and it's still the gym that it has always been. I'm not really talking so much about the fan base. I'm talking about the visual that you have on the court with where the basketball goal is. When you go in, you've got fans behind there. You really don't, and you know, you're you're seeing through a glass backboard, so you, your vision is all the way through that, and fans standing behind it. That is one tough place to walk into once a year and to be able to shoot the basketball with any accuracy. All right, quick break. More college basketball with Tony Barnhart, Bill Justice, when we come back, and I'll talk to you, talk about Vanderbilt. Oh, Larry Smitto, O-L-E, not O-L-D. Great basketball coach and recruit coordinator, by the way, for football. Strike and Spare Family Entertainment is what he does now. And, man, does he have a great organization. Five locations right here in Middle Tennessee, three up in Knoxville, others around the south. And the question that they like to ask is, hey, when was the last time you did something fun with your family and friends? Bowling, and that's just part of what Strike and Spare Family Entertainment bring you, but bowling, that's the centerpiece. Great fun. Great entertainment, really inexpensive, 
bowling, games, food, drink, entertainment for all. So if you're looking for a place to get together, maybe have a, some type of party, a fundraising event, maybe a reunion, maybe just get your, some, some of your buddies, your pals out to, play, to do a little bowling, have a little fun, talk a little trash, strike and spare family entertainment. All locations open seven days a week. That includes holidays. You can check them out at strikeandspare.com. And don't forget, there's never a bad time for a good time at Strike and Spare Family Fun Centers. This is Doug Matthews. If you miss any or part of my weekend shows, Big Orange Sunday, Football Saturday, or Coach to Coach, you can catch up on the podcast at CoachDougMatthews.com. Each show is up immediately after they are aired live right here on 104.5 The Zone. All three shows plus High School Sports Saturday are all podcasts at CoachDougMatthews.com. Forklift Systems Football Saturday continues as Coach Doug Matthews is joined by Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Presented by Stroud's Barbecue and Tennessee Steel Haulers on 104.5 The Zone. In the second half, the second hour, uh, we'll be talking with not only Tony, but Charles Davis. Going to take a good look at uh, what's going on in college football, particularly Southeastern Conference. Mm -hmm. Interesting dollar figures coming out about what the media rights are going to be as we go through the next five, six, eight years or so. But we're talking basketball with Bill Justice, Tony Barnhart. Right now, let's uh, Bill. Let's take the uh, three Southeastern Conference games will be played in round two, starting in order with Tennessee, Michigan. That's a four fifteen tip, by the way. Uh, Bill, uh, talk a little bit. Michigan, excellent history there. I don't know you'll 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 know this. I don't know if Tennessee how often they played Michigan. Uh, give us a thought on this ball game. What do you expect? It's very rare. Juwan Howard is a very uh, experienced coach. They have four players, all averaging, uh, uh, you know, double-digit points per game. They are a good shooting team, 75% plus, and their their four best scorers are all up in the 80% range. That wins a lot of ball games for you because, unfortunately, we'll talk about this at the end of the year. Uh, free throw shooting is not practiced very much, and sometimes it uh, can lose games for you. So, Coach Juwan Howard, Michigan coming from the Big Ten, a really powerhouse conference. Tennessee's going to need to play their best. They're a three seed. Uh, Michigan is an 11. 740, Arkansas, New Mexico State. Uh, where do you see that one? I like Arkansas. I have all year long. I love their passion and for basketball in that state. Obviously, suey pig suey when the fans are there. This is not going to be a home game for them. But their team travels well. They play well. They have a great history to live up to. Uh, I like Arkansas. I think on a good day, they're capable of beating uh, a lot of teams. Maybe not down into the top five or six or ten. Uh, but on a given day, they, they can play with anybody. Bill, Auburn... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Bill, you mentioned that. I want to just kind of hit that, uh, uh, you know, it's legendary. What? No, no question what fan base in basketball travels the best, Kentucky. Uh, I would think, though, that probably Arkansas, now that they're playing well again, a close number two, they've always traveled well. They're basketball hogs. Yes. They, they, if we're talking about in the SEC, absolutely. Their history is good. They have an exciting place to play. They've got a great fan base that fully supports them. And they've got great support, you know, from, from the economy of things in that state with the people that are backing them and, and the donors that they have. So a very a very good program and a, and a program that's been good for a long time. Go ahead and hit Auburn now. That's a Sunday game, by the way, 645 Sunday. 
and they have been playing at a, at a very high level. Bruce Pearl gets it done everywhere he goes. He can coach, he can recruit, and he can develop players. They probably have gone down a little bit early in the year. They were ranked up in the top one or two. Uh, they're they're still you know they're still in it. They're twenty seven and five. Uh, I think they're well. They are number eight. I think in the national rankings now. Um, they are capable of playing their best game of beating anybody on a given day. They play a very fast-paced game. He was he is one of the the leading people proponents of the three-point shot. You will see his team pull up. He's done the math and he knows where the percentages come on a three-pointer versus a two-pointer. Uh, 33% equals 50%. So they're going to run fast, and they're going to shoot the ball from from long range, and they're going to force the defense to come out and cover them at least uh, within three or four steps past the midcourt line. No no math on this show, please. Uh, but mentioning that, uh, you know, Tony, uh, if if Bruce Pearl just could promote a little bit, he, he might be he might be pretty successful down at Auburn. Well, he, Bruce Pearl needs to come out of his shell. Yes. He's very, yes. very shy, introverted. Hey, Billy, there was a question I wanted to ask you about Tennessee. I've, I've watched them down the stretch, and I can't remember what game it was. I'm look up. They are raining threes. Every, it just seems to me with their ability to play defense, they're one of the best defensive teams you're going to see. If Tennessee knocks down their threes, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to beat them. And I think one of the reasons that they have a, a, a large number of threes, of course, most teams do that now. Tennessee's lineup most always, always has three pure guards. And if you want to consider 3J as a guard, they're going to have four guards in the game and then a post player, a seven-footer, and Plavsic. But but they have three guards in the, in the game at all time, and all of those guys are great shooters. We'll talk a little bit tomorrow about where their strengths are in shooting when we get to Big R and Sunday. But they have catch-and-shoot players, and they have guys that can stop and shoot it on the dribble. Uh, so that's the reason you see more and more three-pointers these days. Uh, Tennessee has a three- or four-guard lineup. Hmm. One other thing I wanted to throw in there, talking about Auburn and Miami. Uh, Billy mentioned the fact that Auburn loves to go up-tempo, push the ball, push the ball. Miami is very good at dictating tempo. So if Miami can get Auburn to play at a little slower tempo, I I think think Miami can hang in there. Jim Laranega is a veteran uh, NCAA tournament coach, has taken them to the Final Four. I I think Auburn wins the game, but I think that that matchup with Miami – tomorrow is going to be really interesting. Bill? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I think any time you're playing Auburn, it's going to be an exciting game. They're, they're going to force the pace, and Miami can slow it down on the other end. Maybe it frustrates them a little bit. Coach Coach Pearl is very good at making ap- adaptations, too, during the game. So he can, he can recruit them, and he can coach them up. Well, we talked a little bit about this. Bill, I want you to take any other key games that, that, that you see there, but certainly uh, Baylor – North Carolina should be a great ball game. Richmond, Providence, uh, another good ball game. Memphis, Gonzaga, Bill mentioned that. Uh, uh, Memphis playing a little bit better at the end of the year, look like. But, Bill, uh, take those or any other game you want to take and maybe uh, some of the highlight games that fans ought to be, folks ought to be looking at. Well, I certainly I think locally here we're going to be looking at Tennessee, Michigan. We've talked about them enough. I'm still interested to see what Kansas can do. I have watched them all year. I, I like Bill Self. I think they they have a very good team. I think they will be much better than Creighton if they play their best game. I'm interested to see what North Carolina can do. They've shown that they can play. They've got a great history there. 
Uh, Baylor, of course, a national championship. Um, UCLA, are they back? They play St. Mary's. Uh, they're a four seed uh, versus a five, so that should be an, an excellent game, should be a close game. St. Mary's is ranked number 18, so they didn't make it into the uh, top 20s. Kind of looking down the the list too. Also, uh, Ohio State Villanova should be a very good game. Villanova, of course, what two national championships bill in the last six eight years, something like that. Number two seed there, and uh, I watched a few of their highlights yesterday. Boy, they 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 talk about they've always had guard play seemingly, uh, but uh, uh, really good guard play there. Uh, Ohio State hadn't watched them a whole lot. What what about that game? Ohio State. Uh a lot of great athletes up in that area. You would have to say the state of Ohio is much like Georgia with the, with the numbers of great athletes there. A, a great history going back in time in basketball. Probably have not been quite as good as they had in, in years past. Uh, but they're certainly going to be capable. So that's probably going to be a good game, too. I think I think all over today, we got, as we get a little deeper into this tournament and we get away from the you know, ones versus 16s and those type of matchups that every week is going to get better and it's going to get more exciting. Uh, I do like Villanova very much. I think they've got a, a Jay Wright does a great job there. Uh, they're still ranked inside the top 10. I, I like them. They're one of the teams, if I were going to pick it all the way through to the end, I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all to see them uh, in that final four. You know, Bill, I've, I've read so much about this. I've heard you mention it too. Uh, there are teams that are quote, kind of built for tournament play. And and I think Villanova might be the, the poster child for that. Boy, they, they are built, and they always seemingly always play well and go deep into the national tournament. Yeah, and they're another one of those schools. We, we talk about this touching on it occasionally where, you know, it's a basketball school. And, uh, you know, there are several teams in the that are in the finals in, in basketball championship every year that don't play football. They are strictly basketball schools. The attention is given to that. The fan base supports that, and and they recruit to that. So a lot of times you'll see teams that are in that top 20, top 25 in the nation that concentrate it all on basketball. Need to mention before we go to break, Bill, talk a little bit about Chattanooga about, what, eight seconds away from a huge upset over Illinois, get beat right at the end of the game. But, boy, a good effort. That that uh, that young man's going to go some places down at Chatt- UT Chattanooga. Yeah, and, you know, that was a thrilling thing for them. You know, we, we put them aside a little bit down in Chattanooga, that part of the, of the state of Tennessee where, you know, they've, they've produced some really good athletes in the past. And it would have been exciting to see them be able to advance one more game to have UTC in the tournament and playing well. Uh, but still a good season. Hats off to them for final final good season. All right, let's take our final break of this, uh, this uh, hour. Bill will be back uh, with Tony for one more segment. Charles, uh, then Tony's going to be on a segment. We'll be, we're going to get into some pretty interesting money things uh, that have to do with the media rights that just came out uh, this, this past week. Kind of projections, but I think realistic projections. And then Charles Davis will join us uh, at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Farm Bureau Health Plans, they remind you to pay plan on us. Farm Bureau Health Plans right here in Middle Tennessee. Of course, they cover the state of Tennessee. They got a location in every single county. Uh, you know, closing in on 180, 190 throughout the state. And they're there for health insurance. As we know, that's something that 
more and more you need to take a good look at. Again, this is something about individual plans, too. If you have them where you work, great. If not, check out Farm Bureau Health Plans and let them help you plan on them. they got superior customer service, extremely competitive rates, high-quality health plans. I've been with them for several years now, and you can check them out at fbhp.com. It's all about the Tennessee Volunteers on Big Orange Sunday, each Sunday morning at 8. Brought to you by Middle Tennessee's Community Bank, Wilson Bank and Trust. Coach Doug Matthews talks all things balls each Sunday on Big Orange Sunday on 104.5 The Zone. Joining Doug in this segment is Bill Justice, presented by Double Dogs Restaurant in Gallatin, Charlotte Pike near downtown Nashville, and Hillsborough Village. All right, let's talk a little bit more hoops with Bill Justice and Tony Barnhart. Again, Charles Davis will join us uh, just a little bit later in the show. Tony and I will be discussing some football items going forward, but we're talking basketball right now. Bill, uh, the uh, uh, as as we look, uh, we'll be to the uh, what is referred to, I guess, the third round, but the Sweet 16. Talk just a little bit about that, and that's, Tony mentioned earlier the first weekend is always fun to watch, but for me, once you get down to where essentially you should have the six best teams, certainly the sixteen best teams that are playing at that time, uh, that that to me is kind of when I really start getting interested in the uh, in in the uh, uh, national national tournament for basketball. Yeah, when you get into that area, you have you have probably gotten down to where you have the best players or certainly the best teams, I'm sorry, or certainly the teams that are playing best at that particular time. A lot of the teams that that qualify from conferences that aren't as strong as the power leagues, uh, they're proud to be there. They celebrate it, and it's a wonderful thing for their team and their fans. But usually by the time you get into the Sweet 16, you've got it narrowed down to teams that, uh, that are in tougher conferences, have played tougher schedules. From there on in, though, anything can happen. The uh, the uh, brackets will be narrowed down, and you'll see that you have most of your top-ranked teams in there. That's when it gets where the games are really close. A little mistake here or there can lose it. A great play here or there can win it for you. So the excitement in the – this is one of the things about the National Basketball Tournament. The excitement increases every single game and it goes all the way to the final four and to the national championship well and so much plays into it at this level you know key fouls you know maybe a a, a twisted ankle something like that bill i, I want you to touch on too because i was uh, listening and, and and i was listening to some folks talk about this on air and then the analysts talk about it and then also kind of watch it myself talk a little bit about uh and i'm, I'm going to give you my opinion on it. tony you can jump in there too I have been pretty darn impressed with the officiating and and the consistency around the country. You know, in mm-hmm. in college football, sometimes uh, depending on what conference you're playing in, uh, and even in some of the uh, uh, some of the playoff games, you know, different conferences kind of officiate things. Same rules, but they emphasis is a little bit different. Seemingly in basketball, though, it's it, to me it's been pretty darn consistent. Bill, what what have you seen so far? Well, I think it is very good. And when you look at basketball, and going back in time, they used to only have two officials. Now they have three officials that can rotate and get in place. The block charge is still the toughest call to make, and there's always there's always two sides to that. The block didn't block, and the charge didn't charge. You know, so but that that is the one thing that's always controversial. But yeah, the speed of the game, 
the size, the strength, the athletic ability of the players in college basketball now, the officials to stay up with that have to be excellent at their jobs, and they do a very good job overall. Well, I think they do a great job of handling handling the coaches too. Now, seemingly to me, and again, I'm going to ask Bill about this. You know, it, it, uh, not too long ago, there there were a lot of very well, I guess I would term it verbal coaches. I don't see quite as much of that anymore. Certainly some still there. But uh, I think the officials do a great job. You know, you watch them, the TV's on them a lot, uh, the, the camera's on them a lot. Uh, I think they do a good job of explaining to the coach. You know, I haven't, you know, I, I, I don't see them really going uh, the technical foul route. Normally, if they call one, it's, it's well-deserved. But, uh, Tony, I think from that standpoint, all of that's good. The thing I like about the tournament is that it's really where the officials let the players play. People come to see the players. They want to see, they see that and they keep the game under control, but they're not calling every tick, every little ticky tack foul, uh, 25 feet away from the basket. So that is the part, uh, that I like. And I I think they do. I think they do a good job. It's hard. Everybody's watching, but I just like the fact that when we get to tournament time, the officials let the players play. And and Bill kind of hit this because you have touched on this at time over the years. But let's talk about what not only in in, in the tournament play, but the way basketball's changed a little bit. Talk a little bit about what's allowed from a physicality standpoint close to the basket, and what's allowed out on the perimeter. Seems to me like they allow a lot of more hands-on uh, defense. As long as you don't disrupt the the ball handler or the cut guy. Uh, on a on a block, um, excuse me, on a screen. As long as you don't block that path, they do allow some hands on, a little bit of contact, body contact. And w- the way these athletes are today, they're so big, they're so talented, they're so quick, and and they're so strong. There's no way that you could have it like what used to people say. Well, if you touch a guy, it's a foul. So I think it's fine, and I know the players have adjusted to it. it it's the fouls on the shooters. Uh, that is that is one of the things that, that that they watch most closely. You do not want to compromise a guy's ability to shoot the ball, so consequently that foul is called a little bit more. Uh, you do have sometimes where players are called for flops, and, and they get on that pretty quickly. They stop that pretty quickly, and I think they should. So overall, I think the officials do, do a great job when you take into consideration the speed of the game and how that has progressed over the years. You know, one thing about the block charge that you mentioned, uh, it was, I don't know the exact year, but a few years ago when they put the dotted circle, uh, semicircle in the uh, uh, underneath the basket where if, you're, if your feet are inside that, it's always a block. And if you're outside, of it, you have an opportunity for a charge there. I, th- I thought that was a good change uh, in, in basketball, Bill. How about replay? Seemingly, and Tony, you hop in here too. Uh, these first couple rounds, I again, Bill's watched almost all of them. Uh, they've they've got through those uh, those replays pretty darn quickly. Yeah, and that's good. That's good too. I, I like to see that because I think when the game is going at a good pace, to have to slow it down and look at things and take a long time before you come to some kind of decision, I just takes away a little bit from the game. So the fact that they speed that up, especially at tournament time, uh, it, I think has value added to the game. Oh, well, guys, we saw we saw games during the course of the year. It seemed like the officials were leaning on replay. And I, I saw a bu- I've seen a bunch of times in the tournament where the official goes, you know, the coach is screaming for a replay, and the official says, "No, we're playing on." So I think I think they are they are more selective about. There's certain things they have to review, particularly inside the last two minutes. I get that, but for the most part, 
it seems like the officials say, no, no, let's play on. Let's play on. Yep, pretty darn. I, I tell you what, they're very patient, too, with coaches. Yeah, they are. Uh, very seldom do they tee them up. And when you're in a gym like that, these coaches get on those guys pretty good. I, I, I don't know if they think that helps them and they think, well, the call was wrong, or I'm just going to yell at this guy because I think he's going to change his mind for me down the road. So they're very patient. They they let the coaches express themselves, and a lot of them do it uh, pretty forcefully. So all in all, I think they do an excellent game where it's not easy to do it with the speed of the game these days. Kind of interesting. See, Billy, I, Billy, I, think that's re- I think that's really a great point. That's really because what the what the good officials do is that when a coach is upset, you'll see him sort of, wander over there and he'll have his back to the coach and he's basically he's letting the coach vent for 15 20 seconds and then they're going to play on so yeah exactly. you know, i think one thing on that uh i've, I've had i heard a couple of uh you know when i was still coaching uh basketball coach got to know several of the basketball coaches and almost to a man that said the same thing about officials uh the officials that that come over and said hey i missed that one you know Okay, but it's the the thing that ticks off most of those coaches when they know they missed it, the official knows they missed it, and they're still acting like they didn't miss it. I think that's that's part of it also. But uh, yeah, that goes. Uh, and I think I, I think as many games are on TV too. A lot of these coaches now uh, are are as we found out in football. Uh, a lot of people can lip read, so I think the, some of the <laughs> not all not all the coaches, <laughs> but uh, but some of them certainly certainly can on that. Uh, Bill, leave us with uh, some final thoughts here, and then we're going to get into a little football. You know, this is a football show, Bill. You knew that. I knew that. I, knew I do that. understand that, but we are in basketball. Yeah, team. we are, and uh, and uh, certainly appreciate you being with us. We're going to continue doing this throughout the tournament. But uh, leave us with uh, maybe a final thought today. Well, we're getting into the exciting part. I will be uh, I will be getting off the phone and heading straight to in the den to watch the games all day long today. Certainly focused in on what Tennessee can do and what the SEC can do. Uh, look forward to seeing those top-seeded teams, one, two, threes, and see how effective that they are. And uh, just to say one thing before I go to Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, good to be on with you. I enjoy and appreciate your work. Uh, we are such a pro-town here in in Nashville, as Coach Matthews knows, one of the reasons his shows are so popular is is he maintains a a strong hold on the college basketball, college football, the college scene, and certainly you're a big part of that. So good to be on with you. Well, thank you, Billy. I enjoyed it. Bill, we will talk tomorrow eight o'clock right eight here. O'clock. On, pardon me. Big Orange Century. Big Orange Sunday. Yeah, Big Orange Sunday. See you then. One of those. One of those. Uh, Billy, talk to you then. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Tony and I will be right back. Uh, We're going to get into uh, kind of an interesting story came out. Navigate, uh, the website Navigate kind of took a look at the average payout estimates going forward for media rights per conference. And it was uh, eye-opening, I guess, would be the way to say to me. I, I got a couple of thoughts on this. Tony's got a couple of thoughts on it, on where we're heading uh, we know that it's going to continue to go up, but as uh, as old Jerry Reed used to say, I didn't know it was going to be that much. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll check it out when when we come back. Uh, all right, quick break. When we come back, more with Tony Barnhart. I'll talk to you about Wilson Bank and Trust, Middle Tennessee's community bank. What do they got now? Twenty nine locations. Good gosh, soon to be thirty. By the way, they're going to have a new one opening right down in Williamson County, but. 
29 offices, nine Middle Tennessee counties committed to community banking. Some things have never changed going on 35 years in the banking industry right here in Middle Tennessee. Fast local decisions. That's the best way I can put it. I've dealt with them over the years, and I've needed some local decisions, and I got them quickly. And you can too. Because why? Well, they're the community bank. Chances are most everyone working in the in in the uh, branch that you go to are from that community. They're part of where you belong. One application, one closing, one interest rate on their one-and-done loans. They have a specialized team in the secretary market for mortgages. Those are still huge. But bottom line, community folks serving their community. Check them out at Wilson Bank and Trust at wwilsonbank.com. It's all about the Tennessee Volunteers on Big Orange Sunday, each Sunday morning at 8. Brought to you by Middle Tennessee's Community Bank, Wilson Bank and Trust. Coach Doug Matthews talks all things Vols each Sunday on Big Orange Sunday on 104.5 The Zone. Forklift Systems Football Saturday continues as Coach Doug Matthews is joined by Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Presented by Stroud's Barbecue and Tennessee Steel Haulers on 104.5 The Zone. About 50 minutes of talking college football from here on out. Tony will be with us uh, for two more segments. Uh, Bill uh, Justice will be on again tomorrow. We certainly appreciate him uh, being on for a whole little over an hour talking basketball. He'll be doing, uh, of course, they've all talked about what happened today with the University of Tennessee tomorrow on Big Orange Sunday. Bill will be with us, of course, throughout uh, the rest of basketball season and the tournament. Uh, we are, of course, in second round now. Uh I ask uh, Tony, Tony and I have been kind of talking about this on this show on and off for quite a while now, but some estimates have come out. A uh, website out there called Navigate, which is pretty spot on normally. It kind of covers, a, well, it navigates a, a lot of different sport areas, but particularly college football and conference football. They just came out with the projected revenue numbers in the Power Five conferences. So we're talking about the five Power Five conferences starting 2022 now and working through 2029. And, folks, if you take a look at it, it is it is really uh, eye-popping numbers on this. And we're going to kind of utilize this today. I'm going to talk with Tony about this. Talk a little bit about where the Southeastern Conference is, where the Big Ten Conference is. Those are the two big money conferences and it's going to significantly get more and more so big 10 for years has been that way uh they've been the leading conference uh for the payouts to each member 2022 57.2 million to each team each program each university in the big 10 southeastern conference 54.3 million those are the two big dogs, and let's talk about why that is so important. It just Again, I'm going to give you the numbers for this year. I don't want to uh, wear you out with numbers, but 57-2, 54-3, Big Ten, SEC, and then it goes down to the Big 12, 40.6, then to the Pac-12, 34.4, and then to the ACC, 30.9. So you're seeing a huge drop from – the Big Ten, the SEC, to the other power, uh, three Power Five conference schools. Tony, I wanted to kind of touch on this and talk about where we're going and why this is so important and why 
what this is probably going to mean. Well, it's not probably. It's going to mean for the near future. But just kind of let's touch on that part of it first, and then we'll get into the revenue projections going forward. Well, a, a couple of things to keep in mind. The big, the big Ten has a new media rights agreement coming up, I think, in two years. So that is a significant fact. The SEC, uh, they will have a new rights agreement coming up uh, after the 2026 season. Remember, uh, that TV contract will, will really – the SEC was not making that much money off its CBS Game of the Week. In the new contract, they'll get more. And the big thing to remember, Doug, is during the course of the next – four, five, six, seven years, we're go- we will have an expansion of the college football playoff. That is going to happen. And so we'll have either way, expansion or no expansion, there will be a new uh, college football playoff uh, contract, which will start after the 2026 season. Put it all together and you look at the numbers and what, what those two conferences are doing, and, yeah, it, it is a significant uh, gap and the money, as you pointed out, as you get down the road, is going to be pretty staggering. One thing to remember, too, for this affects uh, all of college football, particularly the Southeastern Conference and negatively the Big 12 Conference, uh, after the 2025 season at the latest, Texas and Oklahoma. Right. So these projections are based, we're going to look at uh, starting in 2026, uh, but those, those these projections will move up if Texas and Oklahoma are able to uh, uh, to come into the conference before the start of the 2026 season. But let me just put, lay some numbers on you folks. And th- this is, you talk about big, big business. College athletics has been a big business for a long time. And more, more specifically, college football has been a huge business. But here's the projections for 2029. All right. The Southeastern Conference in 2029, and, and Tony, I think these projections are pretty much spot on. Uh, they're they're going to be very close, and, and and this is with no other additions to conferences or subtractions for conferences. Southeastern Conference in 2029, that's six years, seven years from now, folks, $105.3 million per team. Think about that. $105 million. The Big Ten will be in second place in 94.5, still a lot of money. But, Tony, this is where and, and what we're going to do this, try to do today is tie in why are these some of these conferences against, uh, against having a, uh, uh, an expanded playoff. In 2029, the Atlantic Coast Conference will be bringing in, they'll be the, the uh, well, the Big 12 will be the lowest, but the Atlantic Coast Conference, who's fighting this thing, Fifty-five point three million. They'll be getting less than fifty percent of what the big, the SEC is getting. Right at fifty percent less. Let's just kind of start with that, Tony. Well, think about it in these terms. Why is the ACC fighting one of the three conferences that are fighting expansion? Let's just take the ACC. You gave out a figure of fifty-five point three million, while the SEC would almost double that at 105. Well, if we had a 12-team playoff, guess what? The money that will be paid off in the playoff, if, obviously if you have three teams in the playoff, you're going to make more than if you have one team in the playoff. And I think it's safe to say that if we go to a 12-team playoff, the SEC will certainly have two in every year and many times three, which means more revenue shares 
and the ACC can sit there and look at those numbers. So I, I think I think this is about dollars and really controlling what the SEC is able to do. Uh, I don't think it's going to work, but I think that's the motivation. Uh, one thing on this too. Now, the, these projections they they are based Tony on what in a uh, an eight team playoff, right? Yes. We think it's going to be twelve, but these are these are just numbers on an eight team playoff. They don't include if the other four teams are in there. So, which we think we th- we do believe, don't we? That uh, that most people that, that follow this closely, we're eventually going to get to a twelve team playoff. It's just kind of a matter of when, right? Exactly. Is is it in the next? Is it in the next contract after twenty twenty five twenty twenty six? Or will it be in the contract after that? 2029, if you're still a member of the Southeastern Conference, and I'm going to bring up a little, I think uh, I, I'm i I'm out on a limb here on this, but I believe before 2026 gets here, uh, and certainly before 2029 gets here, maybe not 2026, I think the Southeastern Conference will have more than 16 teams in it. I'm going to explain that here in just a second. But $105 million dollars. You know, that's that's coming before you ever buy a shoestring, before you ever buy mm-hmm. a basketball, but before you ever ever buy a a, 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 a volleyball net. You know, a hundred and five million just just for being being able to put the SEC logo <laughs> on all your stuff. <laughs> Pretty darn impressive on that. So uh uh now Let's let's kind of we're gonna kinda tie this into a lot of different things on this, folks. But Tony, as I mentioned Right now, Texas and Oklahoma can leave uh, the Big 12 without having to have any payout after the 2025 season, correct? Correct. Correct. All right. In your opinion, in your opinion, do they get out earlier than 2025? Do you think what what are the uh, odds, chances, odds, percentages now that you believe they'll be part of the Southeastern Conference prior to the 2026 season? Oh, I, I think I think it'll happen because that number, that fifty-one million dollar number, is going to go down because with fewer uh, years left on the contract, I think it'll just be a. No, let's look at it practically. If, if the Big Twelve can get enough money from those two schools to offset some of the money it's going to lose down the road, it's only best for them to do that because you don't you don't want Texas and OU hanging around uh, as lame ducks. But they, like any other business negotiation, we're not going to make this deal today. But we're also not going to go three or four years out. So I don't know what year it'll be, but I don't think we'll get to the end of these contracts. I think the I think it's in everybody's best, best interest for Texas and Oklahoma and the Big 12 to get on with their lives. Do you know, and I, I, I do not know this, but I probably should, when are the four new teams coming in to the Big 12? Is that next year or when, when do they come in? I think it's either next year or the year after. Yeah, so they would have – that would be a little awkward, wouldn't it? So chances are we're going to get this worked out before then. But kind of looking at that, Southeastern Conference has to know for sure what a calendar year before so they can get all the scheduling because not only exactly. do we – this isn't just football. This is every other sport also. So we're uh, uh, we probably got to have, what, at least a year of, of knowledge before that to get, up, to get all the schedules and everything in line, correct? Yeah, which is why I think it will probably – if it happens earlier, I think it's really 2024. 2022 is done. 2023 is not enough notice to, to get with the schedules. And, and, and look, when, when Texas and OU joined the SEC, 
they the SEC has to go back to their television partners and say, look, you've now got to, even though we only have a couple of years left on this deal, this con- this contract is worth more than it was when we when did it a couple of years ago. Um, I still, Doug, I still remember when the SEC added Texas A&M and Missouri uh, to the conference. Uh, there was a big discussion with CBS between the SEC and CBS about what that Saturday afternoon package was worth. And honestly, they did not agree on what it was worth. That was a big bone of cont- contention between the SEC and CBS. So uh, it's it's uh, it's going to happen, uh, and I think it'll happen before the end of the current contract. One thing, folks, to remember, the keep keep this figure in mind when it comes to what the networks what the what the media rights people are looking at 4 million viewer games uh that's what if they can if you can get to the 4 million viewer mark in in a, one particular game that is big time and that's what they paid the big bucks for getting there the southeastern conference has had more than those than any other folks and it, it, well, we know why they've had the national champion uh, in it, and we have a lot of good matchups in here. But four million viewers—that's what we're going. Uh, that's what we're looking for. Uh, I'm going to come back and talk about what what I just mentioned. I've, I, I really believe could could this might be wrong belief. I really believe that before 2029 gets here, the Southeastern Conference will be expanded, especially if there's still some folks fighting this. Uh, uh, fighting this eight or twelve, I guess SEC's fighting the eight, twelve team playoff. I'm going to talk about that when Charles comes on a little bit. But let me just give you some numbers here to, to think about. We're going to go to break here in a second. Charles will be joining us. Uh, but just some numbers to think about. The first BCS was 24 years ago. All right, the BCS was the first time that where we actually had a format to get the number one team playing the number two team. That was the first time in ever to get there. Now we had some of those, but, but they were, they just were happenstance when bowl games got together. BCS 1998, Tennessee, Florida state were the consensus one and two teams. They played for the national championship. That was 24 years ago. Once you think about this in the 24 years, Champ, the national champion, 14 of those, over half of them have come from the Southeastern Conference. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Two more, Oklahoma and Texas, will be joining the Southeastern Conference. So at that point, 16 at least, and we got more games. We got some games in between then. So Oklahoma and Texas have won two. So that's 16 of those 24. It is by far the strongest with Oklahoma, Texas coming in, not even close to being the strongest. Uh, there are some people, and I'm one of them, who think if this can't work out, get worked out, Tony, uh, I think the national championship game, as we know it, could go away. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but right. there is a way that that could happen, and we'll try to discuss that a little bit later. But give me a quick thought on that. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, the – when this whole thing came up, when they had to vote on expanding to 12, the vote was 8-3, to three. Commissioner Sankey, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, says, you know, uh, we were ready to move on. Other people obviously aren't ready to move on. Maybe we need to take a serious evaluation of what our thinking is on this issue. And if you read between the lines, uh, Greg Sankey, who's one of the smartest people I know, 
he's looking just like Mike Slive and Roy Kramer. He is looking at the big picture. He's looking five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. And uh, if this doesn't get worked out, it's going to get really interesting. One other stat on this, and again, we're going to talk more about this when Charles comes on. In that 24-year period since the first BCS game, the first actual one versus two where it was mandated, in that 24-year period, only 13 teams have won a national championship. Six of those are from the Southeastern Conference. Mm-hmm. And two, Texas and Oklahoma, are going to be coming in. So almost half of the 13 teams have come out of the Southeastern Conference. And pretty darn quickly, two more will be coming in. Now, again, we're going to have some other national champions at that point. We'll see what happens uh, at that point. Uh, so just some of the things we're going to discuss a little bit uh, when Charles comes on. Tony, let's get into this for him. We might touch on this with Charles, too. Let's talk about spring practice ongoing now. By the way, Missouri has their spring game today. This has to be one of the earliest ever. They, they are they are absolutely done. I saw uh, Coach Drinkwitz interviewed on Paul Feinbaum yesterday. He said they had calculated it out. They wanted to finish early to work on some things, and so – it might be a little chilly in Columbia Mo today, but they're going to have this spring game. Let me just touch on that real quickly because this comes up. Uh, some of the best discussions uh, that that, that uh, I've, I had uh, in, in staff rooms uh, non-season after the season was, when are you going to do spring practice? And here's a couple of think- ways of thinking on this. There's two two ways of thinking. If you have a late spring practice, that means that your players get more time in the weight room strength and conditioning. All right. Uh, if you have an early spring practice, they don't get quite as much there, but they have a longer period after spring, another month, to get ready for the season. Another thing that uh, and Coach Majors always looked at this real closely was where were we with our surgeries, injuries, things like that. Uh, if you have an early spring practice and a young man gets uh, gets injured, he's got more time to recoup. But on the other end, if you have some players that are, have been maybe a little uh, cleanup, what we used to call cleanup surgery, uh, to get ready for spring, maybe you want to move it back then. So that, that kind of changes year in and year out as, as the head coach looks at it. And that's, of course, a 100% head coach call on that. But Missouri going early on that. Uh, Tony, let me see. What did I see here? Uh, let me get this. Uh, Missouri spring game today. Nine of the 14 teams are already underway. Uh, and uh, the rest of them will be getting going at the end of this month. So uh, we'll be we'll be discussing that pretty pretty uh, quickly in the future. Uh, let me see here. I got about another three minutes, Tony, before we take a break, and then Charles is going to come on uh, with us. Kind of hit the. I know you wanted to touch on a little bit on the quarterback carousel yep. in the SEC East. We hit the SEC West last uh, last week. Let's take about three, four, five minutes here and touch on the quarterback carousel coming back. Spring practice, SEC East. Let's start with Florida. Well, Florida is fascinating because <laughs> Emory Jones last year, he started 12 out of 14 games, all right? And this has been sort of a drama. And then Emory Jones started making noises that he was going to put his name in the transfer portal, never did do it, says, no, I'm going to come back and go through spring practice and all that. And then yesterday, yesterday reports, indeed, that Emory Jones is going to put his name in the transfer portal. And why, Doug, you would ask, why would a guy who started that many games, who started 12 or 14 games, leave? He's going to leave because Anthony Richardson is going to be the quarterback for, for uh, 
in that in that program right there. That's Billy, Billy, Billy Napier right coming here. in, of course. Yeah, for, and I think that is an issue. And so it, it's it's going to be interesting. But uh, Emory Jones has had a really an up and down career, and he'll he'll see if somebody else wants him. But I think Anthony Richardson. The only thing about Anthony Richardson, he's coming off uh, knee surgery. Everything I've read says it's, it's okay. But uh, that to me, I found that intriguing. You know, Bill, uh, we 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 talked Tony about the, in in the coaching profession. Uh, we call what Emory Jones is in and out, in and out. We call that the, the hokey pokey. You know, put your right <laughs> foot in, then maybe your left foot in. The old hokey pokey. A lot of folks probably don't know. You probably don't even know what that is, but that's a old skating term, I think. Unfortunately, I am old enough to know what that is. Yes. <laughs> Let's hit Georgia. Stetson Bennett the fourth. He's been around so long. He's now Stetson Bennett the fifth. <laughs> but go ahead well here's the thing about the Stetson remember how many conversations Doug we had about Stetson Bennett the fourth and all the people that would come up to me said there is no Georgia fans yeah come up to me and go there is no way we can beat most folks well, there is no way we're going to win a national championship with Stetson Bennett the fourth as our quarterback well let's see what old Stetson did Stetson was the MVP of the Orange Bowl and they beat Michigan in the semifinals was the MVP of the national championship game and played lights out. So I would think old Stetson Bennett fourth is going to be the Georgia quarterback when it's all said and done. <laughs> and I think that's the way I think that's the way it's going to end up. But Georgia has one one of the more talented quarterback rooms in the country. I mean, they signed a four-star quarterback uh, last year and Brock Vandegrift, a guy who's highly recruited. They signed another four-star quarterback in this uh, 2022 class, kid named. Gunnar Stockton, who has an incredible arm, incredible athlete. They got a four-star quarterback from Jacksonville, Carson Beck, who a lot of people wanted. So, you know, you, you would think that it's going to be an interesting competition. I learned something last year, Doug. I ain't betting against Stetson Bennett for okay? <laughs> you know, I got the a guy can, The guy can play. I got a Georgia buddy of mine who I, I brought that up to him. He said, yeah, but, you know, you're forgetting one thing. I said, what's that? He said, he lost the conference championship game this year. And I said, well, you got a uh, point there. He did lose that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, uh, this this topic I'm sure has not come up much in Kentucky athletics because of what happened in basketball. But uh, Kentucky, uh, uh, not, not a whole lot of people talking about Kentucky football today, but a uh, new quarterback, uh, well, I say good news is they won't have a new quarterback. Will Levis, who came in and really played well, 10-3 and three last year, uh, back for another year. Yeah, that's and that's important when you try because, look, Mark Stoops has come over. He has seen the light, okay? He has turned his offense over to a pro. He did it with Liam Cohen, but he – Liam Cohen did such a great job. He's going back to the Los Angeles Rams as their offensive coordinator. He was the like think wide receivers coach, and they're bringing in a guy from the um, from the uh, 49ers, uh, Rich Canagrello. I'm butchering that name, but uh, he is well thought of. Here's the other thing: if you're Will Levis, they're going to find some wide receivers. They lose Wandale uh, Wandale Robinson, who was a, a great player for them, transfer uh, from Nebraska. They'll find some wide receivers. If I'm Will Levis, here's the thing that makes me smile. Chris Rodriguez, my best running back, the number two rusher uh, in the SEC behind Tyler Batty of, uh, of uh, Missouri, he's coming back. And so, uh, Doug, here's the thing. Talk about what Mark Stoops has done. 
They won 10 games again last year. Second time in four years they won 10 games. That is unprecedented in Kentucky football history. Pretty impressive, no doubt about that. You know that new play caller, I can't pronounce his name either, but I always bring up, uh, tell the story about my my old secondary coach that coached me, Bobby Proctor. Uh, his his theory was, hey, you, if you get playing well enough, I'll learn your name. So that's right. That probably will. That's probably the way we'll have to look at this. All right, quick break. Charles Davis. When we come back, gonna get into uh, some of this stuff I was talking about about where these conferences are going, where college football is going, where the playoffs going. Just some opinions from some folks that uh, follow this pretty darn closely. Star Physical Therapy. Hey, nobody likes pain, and the times I've been in pain, I want to get rid of it quick. I bet you did too. I go to Star Physical Therapy. Bottom line, you know, some old high school injuries, probably some injuries when I was doing some stuff I shouldn't have done that had nothing to do with athletics. But when I get pain, I go see Kelly Ziegler and the folks at Star Physical Therapy. You can too. There's 67 locations right here in Middle Tennessee. All around the place, one near you, one about a mile from me, as a matter of fact. They can see most patients even without a prescription. They have tele-rehab if you are not able to safely leave your home. Their facilities, of course, have always been, forget about CDC guidelines, they were doing CDC guidelines before CDC had guidelines. Sterile, clean, and safe. Your health, stars, clean hands, choose star at star PT. Dot com, all their locations. I used to call Charles a lot of things, but CD wasn't called, one of them. Yeah, things you called me are not fit for the FCC, Coach. We want to keep you on air. So I, I can't, we can't go there. That was early in your career, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah by, by, by late, there were terms of affection. There you go. Okay, I've had a lot of time on my hands. Uh, Tony has said something, a couple of things that we've been talking about uh uh, you know, buyouts now in conferences of, of programs of teams of university leaving conferences are pretty huge right now. And I want to kind of work into what I'm talking about today. Tony, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the buyout uh, for, for uh, and I know you may not have this the exact number, but give us an approximate. You may have the exact number. What's the buyout if uh, if Oklahoma and Texas leave Next year, what would it be? I know it goes down a little bit, but what would that buyout be paying to the conference to be able to leave early? The the number that I've heard is fifty one point eight million dollars per team. All right, so let's round it up to fifty two. So that's one hundred forty four million. All right, what is the? You told me this last week. This kind of surprised me a little bit. Through twenty thirty six, who I guarantee you, I won't be doing this show in twenty thirty six. The buyout for an ACC team to leave is what? It was right at fifty-two million. Maryland had to pay fifty-one million to uh, to leave to go to the Big Ten, and that's when the SEC expanded their grant of rights deal. So the, 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 it's pretty much the same thing with Texas and Oklahoma. It's right at right at fifty-two million dollars for a team to leave uh, the ACC. All right, we know, Charles, I want to kind of start with this. We we know that Oklahoma, Texas are going to be here. That number may go down. Maybe if they come early, you know, it is what it is. But for today's purposes, I want to kind of talk about uh, looking at the Southeastern Conference expanding more than 16 teams, uh, 18 or even 20. 
I want to approach it from this standpoint. Right before you came on, we were talking last break. Since the last 24 years, since 1998, when we had the first BCS year, where number one played number two, the first time that we could actually get that, that, that was that was the the rule before you would get it. Maybe if you happened to have the right bowl, everything was d- determined by the bowls back then. There's 24 years. There's been 24 national champions. 14 of those have been Southeastern Conference teams. Now, here's my point. What would happen if Tennessee and the rest of the Southeastern Conference, Eastern and Western Division, what would happen if the Southeastern Conference said, all right, we're going to go to 18 teams. If we can't get this national uh, playoff thing settled, we're going to go to 18 teams. Tony, Charles, and Charles, I want to start with you. Let's start with this. Why couldn't you go to Clemson and the University of Miami, two power national champion programs? Each of those in that, that 24 years is Clemson's won two. Miami has won one to go to 18. And if you wanted to go to 19, bring in Florida State. Again, powerhouse, they've won two in that period. I've got I've got an idea on my, who my fourth one is. I'm not going to bring it up right now. But let's talk about the possibility of that happening if we don't get this thing worked out. Charles? I'm stunned, Coach, and, and only for this reason. You know, sitting here thinking this super conference thing that people talked about for so long, we're seeing kind of what it is right now. But your point is that's not what it could be. If, are you talking? One quick question: Are you talking about if the playoffs expand or if they don't expand? If they don't expand, if they, if don't, they don't expand, just bring them in, and 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 you you still control who the playoff teams are. The money to me, the money would have to be the big thing for them to come in, because I still remember Florida State deciding not to do this many many years ago. Because Bobby Bowden's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm not rolling into the SEC." And remember how he went into the ACC and he went through like Sherman went through Atlanta for what the first seven or eight seasons. So that's that's the question. That's the question I would have, Tony. Maybe All I'm right, missing. let me let me just uh, let me let, let me just put some numbers out there for you on that. We just that's why I brought up that the exit fee for an ACC team to leave would be fifty two million dollars. If you bring in two teams, real quick, Tony, how much money is that? Fifty two and fifty two. How about one oh four? One oh four, okay. Just think about this. That sounds like a lot of money it is, but just think about this. If you divide that by the eighteen teams, if each team just paid five point seven seven million, they're going to be making a hundred and five million. You can add two teams to this league that have won three national championships in that twenty-four year period. If you want to bring Florida State in, if if you bring in four, it would be only go up to seven point seven five million. Here's my point, and the talking point on this is this: I I really could see this. I don't think it's going to happen. But at some point, if this doesn't get worked out with the alliance conferences, the Southeastern Conference could very easily say, okay, we'll take our 16 teams with Texas and Oklahoma. We're going to go get Clemson. And and here would be the reason why Clemson, Florida State, and Miami, Charles, would like to leave. In 2029, the, the, the payout estimate for the ACC per team is 55.3. For the Southeastern Conference, it's 105.3 million, almost twice as much 
and you're in a powerhouse. Yeah, I mean, the the, the winner of that league is probably going to be your national champion anyway. Tony? Yeah, the, the issue, there's a couple of different issues here. Actually, there are two, when you're talking about the ACC, there are two components. One component is what is it, what is it, what will you have, what do you have to pay to get out? Well, you have to pay $52 million to get out, but there is also the issue of what is called the grant of rights. And the grant of rights was a thing that was put in uh, when Maryland left, where everybody agrees, if you want to leave, you can pay the money and leave, but we still control your television rights. And that, it was, it was basically a, a thing that was put in there to make sure that nobody ever left. So I, I, I think it would be difficult from that standpoint to get an ACC team. Can it be done? Of course it can be done. But the fact is, is you, you got the exit fee and you have the grant of rights enforcement. Well, let's just, uh, for these talking purposes, assume that that happens. We need a fourth team. We need a fourth team. All right. Who out there can we get to come in and make up that fourth team that will move the Southeastern Conference for 20 teams? There's a team out there. Let's take a look at. Are you getting Notre Dame, Coach? Absolutely, I'm getting Notre Dame. There you go. Huh? There you go. There you have it. Notre Dame's sitting up there saying, wait a minute. We're not expanding the playoffs. Southeastern Conference down there with all the great football. Do we want to stay up there and keep playing Navy and Army and Michigan State? And, you know, now they could make a pretty, you know, uh, the Big Ten could probably make a pretty good case for them joining. But, well. (laughs) <laughs> they still have that deep-seated animosity with the Big Ten. Yes, <laughs> we're, still, we're still trying oh, here, to get that here, out. Here's another, part, here's another part of that when it deals with Notre Dame. Uh, when you're talking about grant of rights, Notre Dame's contract with the ACC reads, if you want to join any other conference before 2036, uh, you can't do it. You have, there's only one conference you can join between now and 2036. And that's the ACC. That's not a grant of rights deal, though. They, the, the the ACC doesn't have the media rights to Notre Dame athletics. No, but 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 the Notre Dame did agree that it would not join any other conference until the current contract with the between the ACC and the, and Notre Dame runs out in twenty thirty six. So you guys aren't buying any of this, right? I, I like your enthusiasm, Coach. I just <laughs> I think the contracts are in place, though. Coach, I'm also trying to expand my brain with what we've dealt with with, the, with a number of these schools along the way and, and realize it's a new era and a new time, which is what you're taking us to. And Notre Dame in the time frame that I've grown up in, the idea of the SEC, they're lighting candles and throwing holy water at people. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. But Florida State, I still remember their opportunity to come into the SEC, and they they, they blanched at the idea. So I have to get past all of that and realize new time, new place, new people going, all that. Plus, the other part is you make this super conference, Coach. You know how everyone's screaming the SEC doesn't play enough conference games? They want them to play one more at least, so this quote-unquote fair across the board. If you go to this super conference, you'd have no need to really play non-conference games, would you? No, you still would though. But yep. but one thing yeah, on I mean, that, what, what, I thought, what you would for for quote unquote media things and what have you. But you talk about a a sledgehammer that you're going through already, right? A grinder already. I can't wait to see 
<laughs> that new coach, when he looks at his schedule and sees Oklahoma, Texas, you know, Notre Dame, like three out of four weeks. Well, here's my, uh, this is the other part of it too. As as I said, I've had a lot of free time. My my bridge game's not very good. I, I only walk. For four. Your bra- did your bracket get busted on the first night or something, Coach? I, I don't do. I've never done a bracket in my life. Uh, my uh, I only walk forty minutes a day, so that leaves a lot of time. I only sleep six hours, so I got a lot of time to to work on this. But here's here's the other part of this to uh, to think about also, uh, as we're kind of going. Through obviously, folks who don't have a whole lot to talk about, they. But here's the other part of this. Now, when you go to this twenty team, you know you still play. You, you know, you if if any of the other teams want to play, they may they may boycott you after that. But here's what you do: you have you go to four, uh, five team pods. Mm-hmm. All right, got twenty teams, four five team pods. Then you play a two semifinal games that yep. leads up to the SEC championship game, and then. Yeah, that's also you also declare yourself kind of like Steve Spurrier did at Florida, uh, kind of like Scott Frost uh, did at uh, at uh, UCF. You d- you you just name yourself national champion, and don't play anymore. Okay, and now I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Now I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This feels like look. I've got a very good friend that I told you about. He's a high school coach in New Jersey, and what they do are simply essentially what you just talked about, Coach. They have sections. So they don't have a true state playoff. They have sectional playoffs, and you're declaring yourself state champion in that section. So this kind of kind of fits that model, don't you think, Tony? You play your pod, you play it down. We are the national champions. You guys talk about it amongst yourselves, but we'll we'll just take the banner home with us. Yeah, when you think about you think about how what semifinals of the SEC would be like two semifinal games and the championship game is. And all of a sudden, the ACC and the Big Ten say, well, wouldn't you like to join us? No, we're good. We're good, guys. We're Thanks. Good. It's all good. You know? Coach, where are we yeah. playing the semis? <laughs> hey, here's, Coach, here, here's the uh, – where, where are we playing the semis? we playing them at home or we playing them neutrals? I haven't got that far yet. I haven't got okay. that far. I, 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 I only work on the the big ideas. You have to do semifinals on campus, championship in Atlanta. Oh, that would be awesome on campus. Could you imagine having to imagine playing late in the season when you've got something locked up yet you don't have home field locked up? So now you guys have to keep playing. It's kind of like the NFL. Do you play it all the way out or not? Could you imagine a semifinal on campus? Woo! Well, love that. And here's this is why Coach Matthews has got a great idea. This is this is why this this is why this will be great is because you got four pods, four divisions. Every one of those are going to – every game that those teams are playing in is meaningful down the stretch. It would be it would be awesome. And look, Coach, and, and here's the other part of that, your divisions. I haven't got around to all this yet, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody, but your divisions are the Hall of Fame winning coaches. You have the Bryant division, maybe even the Bear Bryant division. You're probably going to have to work Nick Saban in there somewhere, although he – I don't think you can play in a game and have a name for you too. So maybe maybe we gotta we we gotta put that we'll on. Wait, we'll wait oh, on. Yeah, you can. He can. We gotta put that on on the back. Hey, guys, guys have their own golf tournaments named for them and play in them, so we're good. <laughs> All and they, right, they, they, hey, I'm, running, I'm running out of money. I I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm running out, I'm running out of money. Running out of time. Uh, but but now here here's the big uh, big part on this. I'm gonna have to continue the, with this with you two next week. But here's the deal. Just think about this. With those 20 teams that I just mentioned, 
All right, we got 16. I'm going to bring Clemson in because Clemson's sitting over this. Hey, we ain't going to stay in yeah. this basketball we'll conference. We're not going to stay in this basketball conference. We're going to go where they play football and baseball. Miami's going to want to come in. You know, you got yeah. Chris, Cristobal down there. We're going to come in. Uh, so we're going to get that done. But just think about this. Where's all the name, image, likeness money going to go? It's going to go to Southeastern Conference teams, right? No question. So no I mean, question. Nike probably will give them an exclusive deal for the whole league that uh, you know what whatever they want on that. So anyway, uh, now one in that case, coach, in that case, coach, we got to take Oregon in. Oregon just Oregon just well, Oregon just applied for. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You you might be right. Is Bezos? <laughs> What, where did Bezos go to school? We had to bring his team in too to get yeah, out. Wherever, wherever, wherever he went, they're in too. Yep. And the winner, the the, the coach that wins, will get to go up in SpaceX in space and no, <laughs> and no charge. We can do that on that. All right. Hey, I got one minute here, but this is this is a. a, a I, I'm going to talk about this with you two guys next week. I, I want everybody to think about this, and let's just go to jump to 2029. Each Southeastern Conference team will get be getting $105.3 million. $105.3 million. Here's what I say, and I'm also and this is on a serious note. This conference, when that happens, needs to have a regulation, an arrangement, a rule, if you will, for every single program, every single university, that if you don't match the money that comes in to the, to that the Southeastern Conference giving you. In other words, if you don't match, at least match the 105.3, we deduct whatever the, the amount that you do not raise out of it. Cause one of the things that needs to happen in this league, and there's only a couple of schools really are doing this. And one of them's right here in the city that I'm talking to. They need to put the money in the program to get the programs up to, to deserve the money that they get. Uh, and, uh, so I think that needs to be a regulation. 105 million. If you don't put another 105 in there, if you don't get it up to 210, guess what? We're deducting money from you. Kind of a, kind of a salary. That conversation happens. Kind of a salary. Well, they're going to invite me down to do that. Sankey, sorry. I I know, I know this, hey, Tony. Greg Sankey's going to have to put in for early retirement. We got a new commissioner. (laughs) That's right. Wait, wait, hey, with a flight suit that says coach on it. <laughs> you know, Roy, Roy, Roy Kramer's last stop, uh, my last stop actually being paid by a university was Vanderbilt. That was Roy Kramer's last stop, too, by the way. Hey, yes. Hey, now, hey listen, a lot of good comes out of that place now. We might, I mean, we might name, we might name, uh, the, uh, one of the divisions after Roy Kramer, too, by the way. And we, and we should, considering that he started us on this path towards where we are now by understanding the rules of the NCAA and using them to his advantage. He's the one who figured out if you have X number of teams in your conference, that was that little known codicil, right, Tony, in the Faber handbook? Tony, you can I, have a playoff. Hey, I, I got to get out of here. We're, we're out of time. Tony, I don't want to read this on your, your blog, okay? If you do, I, I don't want to <laughs> read this on your blog, all right? <laughs> That secret's safe with me, Coach. Hey, this, Coach, you got you got your trademark in already. I love it. SpaceX suits, trademarks, new, new. Well, you're not a commissioner. You're I'm going to start my own version of Onion News. <laughs> you are the emperor of this. I love it. See you guys. Here, guys. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, maybe for a final thought or two, or maybe this is the final thought. Stay right here with us. Forklift Systems Football Saturday. 
This is Doug Matthews. If you miss any or part of my weekend shows, Big Orange Sunday, Football Saturday, or Coach to Coach, you can catch up on the podcast at CoachDougMatthews.com. Each show is up immediately after they are aired live right here on 104.5 The Zone. All three shows plus High School Sports Saturday are all podcast at CoachDougMatthews.com. Forklift Systems Football Saturday continues. With Charles Davis, presented by Star Physical Therapy on 104.5 The Zone. Charles is actually gone, but hey, we need to give him a little free pub. Uh, By the way, kind of talking about some of this foolishness that we were just discussing. I'm not a big hashtag guy, but I can see it right now as as we try to expand to 20 teams, right? All of them, three of the four. Uh, additional, maybe all four have won a national championship in the in the last 25 years. I see it right now. Hashtag trail to 20. It just means more. Got a kind of a ring to it. Anyway, hey, thanks for being part of the show today. If you're a Tennessee fan, we'll be talking tomorrow about what happens in today's game. Of course, Tennessee plays Michigan here, uh, I think, 415, right? It's tip 415. And by the way, uh, Westwood One, stay tuned uh, all day long here. Westwood One covering and bringing you all the updates on all that's going on. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.